0: Spring into reading this season with the Biblio Lifestyle 2024 Spring Reading Guide. In this season's guide, I've handpicked 21 of the best new books and I've organized them across six categories. So whether you're looking for a romance novel that will give you a happily ever after, a thrilling mystery to keep you guessing, or an immersive historical fiction book, this guide has a book or three or seven just for you. Now, if 21 books sounds like too much for you, there's a minimalist reads list in the guide, which includes a list of six must-read books from across genres. But wait, that's not all. The Spring Reading Guide also includes fun recipes, spring activities, and lifestyle tips. So head on over to springreadingguide.com and download your copy of the guide. That's springreadingguide.com and download your free copy of the 2024 Spring Reading Guide. So download your free copy and discover your next favorite book. Happy reading! Hi, readers. So before we start the show, I have a quick ask. Will you pretty please rate and review the show if you like it? I mean, if you don't like it, well... You know, that's your choice, but if you do like it, rating and reviewing helps other people find a show. So if you take a few seconds and hit those five stars, that helps. And if you take a minute to write something nice about the show that will help even more. So thank you, thank you, thank you in advance, and alrighty, now on to the episode. Welcome to The Reader's Couch, a podcast that brings you lively conversations with some of your favourite authors and bookish personalities. Over here, the couch is always booked, but I've moved some books to the side table and fluffed some cushions so I can welcome a guest or two to come lounge with us. Today on the couch, we have author Nikki May, and she's here to talk to me about her debut novel, Wahala, a story that follows three Anglo-Nigerian best friends that's a modern take on female friendship. Stay tuned. A thrilling new suspense novel to keep on your radar is 20 Years Later by Charlie Donlea. In the novel, we meet Avery Mason, the host of a highly rated true crime TV show entitled American Events. So when Avery discovers that a 9-11 victim's DNA was identified as the woman accused of killing her lover, she is determined to uncover the truth behind the gruesome murder and use it to negotiate a more lucrative TV network contract. But the twisted puzzle of the murdered best-selling author and his lover is just the beginning. Avery has her own secret past she's desperate to keep hidden from both the network executives and her television audience. 20 Years Later by Charlie Donlea is being published by Kensington Books and it's a thrilling, suspenseful novel of betrayal, sex and murder you really don't want to miss. Hi, readers, welcome again to the Reader's Couch. I'm your host, Victoria Wood, and here on the couch with me is Nikki May. Welcome, Nikki. So happy to have you here with us today.
1: Thanks, Victoria. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yay. So, your novel, Wahala, is available in the US now. Readers can get their hands on a copy. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how are you feeling? How excited are you?
1: 111.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine. I mean, you. but I want readers to hear it from you, Nikki. Tell us about your novel, Wahala, and what can readers expect going in?
1: Other people have described Wahala as sex and the city with a killer edge, and I quite like that description. Wahala is a subversive modern take on friendship, family, and culture, and it's underpinned by this epic revenge story, which shows how important the stories we inherit can be.
0: So tell us a bit more about the characters. I mean, it follows a friendship of three friends, and there's a bit of stuff going on. Who's your favourite character in the novel so far? And if you don't mind, let us go through each of the three friends.
1: Okay, I'll tell you about the three friends. So Wahala centres on three 30-something friends living in London, and they have a mixed Nigerian-British heritage in common, which is exactly the same mix I am. There's Roncare; she's a dentist and she's dating Day, and she's desperate for him to be the one. All she wants is happy ever after and 2.2 kids. Her friends, however, think Day is just another in a long line of dodgy boyfriends. Then there's Boo. She has everything Roncare wants. A kind husband, a gorgeous child. She's got a lovely home, huge kitchen, wooden floors. You'd think she'd be happy, but she isn't. She's frustrated and unfulfilled. She's desperate to remember who she used to be. Simmy is the third friend. She's the golden one in the group. Her life is perfect on the surface at any rate. But Simi is very good at keeping secrets. None of her friends know that she's crippled by imposter syndrome. Her husband thinks she's trying for a baby. She's not. When Isabel, rich and glamorous Isabel, explodes into the friend group, at first it seems she's bringing out the best in everyone, but Isabel is a wrecking ball, and her motives for causing wahala, which means trouble in pidgin English, propel the narrative all the way to that killer twist at the end. In terms of favorites, it's really difficult because I love all my characters equally. But I think Simi is probably the one I feel the most affinity for. Like me, she dropped out of medical school and this left her with a feeling of shame, which sort of triggered this imposter syndrome. So I think in terms of favorites, I do have a soft spot for Simi.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. And you're right about Isabel being a wrecking ball.
1: (laughs) She is.
0: When she entered that friend group first, I was like, well, you know, there's going to be a lot of excitement and just encouragement with the women. But instead, she really upset their steady friendship, the cracks started to show out there. But I want to know, because seeing that you just mentioned, you know, you have a lot in common with Simmy. I want to know what inspired you, what made you decide to put pen to paper and tell the story of these friends?
1: I've always wanted to read a book that has people like me in it. I'm mixed race and middle class. I wanted to read about characters whose lives include jollof rice and carjacking and cornrows in the same breath as sourdough recipes, ski holidays, and Soho House. I wanted lives that a bit like mine. And a lot of stories that feature black people or by black people are centered on struggle and trauma. But we're not a monolith. It's not a universal experience. I wanted to write about 30-something sassy women living their best life who just happen to be mixed race. And I went to this long, very loud lunch with Anglo-Nigerian friends in a Nigerian restaurant in London. And we had a lovely, lovely time. We spent hours chatting, catching up. And as I boarded the slow train home, I felt myself code switch out of Nigeria me into English me. And I started thinking about my two cultures and how they collide and started writing. I'd written the first scene by the time I got to my stop.
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's amazing. You kind of told the story through alternate points of view. So each friend's voice was heard. I personally, you know, I love that style because we're also able to be more privy to the private thoughts of each individual instead of just having one friend tell the story and, you know, obviously uh, their perceptions would be a bit skewed. So I'm super interested, you know, was this your intention going in? And tell us a bit about your writing style.
1: So this is my debut. So I think in some ways I was lucky that I didn't know very much about writing, about the tools, about genre, because if I'd known everything I know now, I might not have bitten off so much. So writing in three alternate points of view, it's like a carousel, it goes wrong, care, Boo, Simi, over and over, is the only way I thought I could tell my story. But it was tough because you have to get out of one character's head and into the other. And continuity was a nightmare trying to remember who knows what and who doesn't. But my characters were so three-dimensional to me. I spent a lot of time working on the characters before I started writing. So I knew them inside out. I knew things about them that I'd never need to use, inside leg measurement, how old they were when they walked, how they'd feel when different things happened to them. So I felt, for me, it was important that they each had a voice and that's just how the story went. And I wrote it chronologically from beginning to end. For me, it was just, looking back now, it was the right way to tell the story, but I also couldn't think of any other way, even though it was quite tough.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I know some readers have mentioned the book has that sex in the city vibe. I also felt it had like some big little lies in there as well. Yes. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you'd feel that but I certainly did I felt like these women were just so desperate to kind of have what you know they think they want while also not realizing what they're really missing you know it was very soapy as well it had some bits of thriller in there too (laughs) so that's how I received it I mean you know what have you been hearing from readers so far as well and what are your thoughts to these comments?
1: I think Big Little Lies is my perfect dream comp. Firstly, I love Leanne Moriarty. I love everything she does. So I'm just flattered by that comparison. But I remember watching Big Little Lies and loving it and wanting to watch a brown version of these sassy... Mm complicated women. Because I think being a woman is quite a complicated thing. There's so many demands on us. And, you know, I thought if I refract that through a biracial lens, it becomes even more complicated and adds a bit of texture and background. So that comp for me is perfect. I've had quite a few comps. People have compared it to Queenie or to my sister, Mm -hmm. the serial killer, and all of these are flattering. But I think because I didn't know that much about genre, although I've read really widely, I don't sort of think, right, I'm going to read a crime book. I'm going to read a spy novel. I just read books that I love and I read really widely. So it turns out I seem to have melded a few genres together, which if I'd known what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done. But I think it's nice. I I like reading books that are character driven, but have a propulsive plot and that keep you laughing. And that's what I set out to do.
0: Absolutely. And I love those books as well. Uh, The last, because again, I'm really staying away from spoiler territory here, (laughs) but the one thing... I felt all the friends had in common was they all had like some daddy issues you know yes What was your thought process with that and just your point of view as a writer? Because it it definitely shone through. I think it's something not everyone experiences. But if you do, you you know, you definitely pick up on it. and, And it's certainly relatable to you. It was just so interesting that this friend group, they all had that. You know, what are your thoughts?
1: I love stories. I love books that's about the stories we inherit. When I was writing Wahala, there was a picture of me and my dad at my grandfather's funeral on my desk. My dad lives in Nigeria, so I don't get to see him as often as I'd like to. And I think this picture must have somehow permeated my writing and slipped into my brain because, yes, father issues, are uh, they loom large in the narrative. I also like mirrors in fiction where you have the same issue and you look at how other people see it so differently. So it was quite a nice way of making differentiating between my women while giving them something in common. And I do think parents do have they have a lot to do with how we turn out so it was interesting to play on that
0: Right, right, absolutely. Okay, so getting into your writing life a bit, what was your publishing journey like for Wahala? I mean, was it what you expected? I already kind of gathered, you know, you didn't know much about the genres, and you were just giving us this story, which I, you know, again, I think it's brilliant. It crossed all these different genres and just topics and so on. But was it what you expected in terms of publishing? Did anything surprise you? Just, just give me a little overview on your experience.
1: To be honest, it it was all dream come true stuff. I had a successful career in advertising before I started writing and I'm 56 years old and this is my debut. So although I'd often thought about writing a book, I had work always got in the way until three years ago when I was semi retiring and doing a lot less work and I started on the book and Writing is a very lonely pursuit. You sit in your room, you write, nobody sees it. So when eventually I decided this was good enough to query agents, everything I'd been told said it would take months, years even to get an agent. So I sent off my first three chapters to six agents. And within three hours, I had a request for the full. And within a week, I had five offers of representation. So to me, this is that was normal. But now I found out that this is very unusual and doesn't happen that often. And I just was very lucky. And getting published was again, dream country stuff. It was all in lockdowns, where it's all done over Zoom and over phone calls, but it went to a nine-way auction in the UK and a six-way auction in the States. And it's just been amazing. I've worked with two fantastic editors who helped make the book better. And the only thing I'd say that's quite traumatic is the waiting. It takes so (laughs) long to publish a book. So you sort of sit there for six months thinking, what is happening what is happening and you don't realize how much goes into it and the waiting is quite stressful because you sort of are up and down you're sitting there thinking maybe they've changed their minds maybe they're not going to publish me so it's just fantastic to finally have that book out there and to actually walk past a bookshop and see it in the window
0: Uh, that's amazing I love it what would you say is the most difficult part of your creative process because like you just mentioned you know writing is a solitary pursuit but so far, what would you say is the most difficult part? Of
1: Getting started is a nightmare. And I don't just mean starting the book. I mean, every single morning you sit there and you put your fingers on the keyboard and you look at the screen. And it often takes me two hours to write the first sentence and then another two hours to write 2,000 words. But every single time I sit down, getting started is so difficult. I'm yet to meet a writer whos not who doesn't suffer from self-doubt. I think it's part of the job description. So you sit there and you get the freeze and you get the fear and you look back on what you wrote yesterday and think, oh my God, this is rubbish. And then eventually you loosen up and you keep going. So the trick is just to sit there until you do.
0: And if you could tell your younger writing self anything, looking back now, you've published your debut, it's happening, what would you tell her?
1: I would say, don't feel bad about all the time you spend reading. Reading is what will make you a writer. So don't feel you're wasting your time. Don't feel you should be cleaning your house instead. Don't feel you should be out with your friends. All that time you spent reading was laying the foundations for turning you into a writer. So read more.
0: I love that. I love that. Read more. Okay. So, this is where I'm going to nose you a bit in your business. Are you working on any other projects, any other books, long form, short form, any form? I mean, what are you doing, Nikki?
1: I'm working on book two. And book two is much harder than book one. You'd think it'd be the other way around, but it isn't, because suddenly there's this layer of expectation and people have said things about your first book that you didn't even think when you were writing them. You know, they add all these layers and they tell you all these insights they've had. And you're like, really? And so there's this expectation which adds pressure. And there's also a ticking clock because when you write your first book, there's no deadline. You can take as long as you like. You can take a week off, you can take a month off, but suddenly there's a delivery date and you have to work towards it. So I'd say book two is really hard. I also wrote a short story, my first ever short story a couple of months ago. It was about my girls, Ron Kesimi and Boo, and it was so nice to get back into their world because I know them so well. So writing them is actually quite easy. And short stories are quite tough because you need all the things you have in a big story. You need a beginning, a middle and an end. You need character arcs, you need story arcs. So it was fun though. It was really nice to try and condense all of that into 1800 words.
0: Okay, awesome. Okay. So getting into your reading life now, because I know we're here to talk about Wahala, but we want to know what you're reading. And I love that you mentioned earlier to spend time reading. So tell us about the last book or handful of books that you finished reading that you'd now recommend.
1: I'm going to tell you about two books. The first one is called In Every Mirror She's Black by Lola Akimade Akastrom. She's a Anglo, no, she's Swedish Nigerian and it follows three. It's very different from Wahala, but it follows three Nigerian women or no African women living in Sweden who are connected by one man. And it's just a lovely story about strong women. It doesn't hold back. It's a really good read. And the other book I'd recommend is The Maid by Nita Prose, which is a brand new book. One of the best things about being a writer is you get free books and you get them before they're published. So I read The Maid a few weeks ago before it was. Out, but I think it's out now and it's lovely it's a cozy crime it's got this wonderful protagonist called Molly Maid who is this innocent but lovely woman and I won't give you any spoilers but a man is found dead in a hotel where she's the maid and it's about how the story unravels and what Molly has to do with it it's really good.
0: Ooh, awesome and what books are on your bedside table or your reading desk that you're looking forward to reading ahead? So
1: I'm currently working on book 2 and I'm not allowed to read my books by wonderful authors until I finish because I'm already got self doubt if I read these books I will just collapse and not be able to write. So write sitting in front of me is inspiration I have Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. He is probably my favorite author. His books are just wonderful. I've read most of them over and over. So Clara and the Sun is going to be my reward when I send in book 2.
0: awesome all right so we love independent booksellers on this show we are big supporters we advocate for them and we ask all our guests on the show so of course I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners some of your favorite bookstores
1: So my favorite bookstore that I've not been to yet is Loyalty Bookstore in Washington. They hosted my launch event and I met with Hannah and we zoomed and the bookshop looks beautiful. Hannah was just fantastic. So as soon as we can start traveling, I want to get myself to Washington. I want to go into Loyalty Bookstore in Washington. I want to talk to Hannah. We've decided we're going to go to a Nigerian restaurant in Washington and have a good gossip. And then I'm going to buy loads of her books. Coming back locally. My local bookshop is called Little Toller, and it's about 10 minutes drive away. And I go in there so often that the owner, Gracie, has become a friend. And we now catch up on DMs and we go for lunch together occasionally. And in London, one of my favorite bookshops is called Book Bar. And it's a bookshop and a bar, which is just such a good combination. Talking about books with a glass of wine on, in your hand is my idea of heaven.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So Nikki, bringing things back to Wahala, I know you've done your job as the writer. You've given us the book. It's out there in the world. We're reading it. We're absorbing it. For me, I'm loving it. But I want to know, you know, what are some of the thoughts you're hoping readers might have after they turn the last page? You know, what are some reactions you're hoping for? Thoughts, reactions, conversations? Just let me know your thoughts.
1: I want readers to gasp. I want them to laugh. And if I can also make them hungry, that will be the icing on the cake. And in terms of issues, my book has three mixed race women in it. And it's impossible to write about mixed race women without stumbling into class, colorism, racism. But I didn't want to make these front and central. I didn't want to bang people on the heads with issues. It's just a backdrop. But if it makes readers think just a little bit about the mixed race experience and how complicated it is, I think that would be good.
0: I think that would be amazing as well. Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on the show and speaking with me. It was an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to The Reader's Couch. You can find out more about the show and submit your questions for our guests by visiting our website, thereaderscouch.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Couch is Booked. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, and take a few seconds to leave a rating and review. Next week, I'll be back with new guests, more books, and some fun games we can play. But until then, stay lounging, stay reading, and whenever you're in doubt, go straight to your local bookstore or library. Thanks for listening, and happy reading.